0: Episode 004, The Faith Tested by Fire Podcast, Casting Down Imaginations. Hey everybody, this is Jim, and welcome to The Faith Tested by Fire Podcast. Today I'm reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-5, through 5, using the American King James Version. I like this version, especially when I'm uh, reading it or sharing a particular thought from the Bible with other people. Um, Although I myself um, read the King James Version, I know a lot of people find it hard to follow along, so I think um, this translation makes it easy to understand. I like it a little bit better in a lot of ways than the New King James Version, but not to get all caught up in the versions. um, Let's start with the um, third verse. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, in the Old Testament, the Bible shows us glimpses of spiritual warfare that took place in the heavenly realms. And uh, it doesn't go into great detail about these things but in the book of daniel in the book of isaiah uh, and other books we see that there are fallen beings that ruled over certain geographical locations and um so whether we call them uh, fallen angels there's different uh, kinds of angels different levels and or we call them evil spirits they all come under the classification Of Satan and his kingdom, the deceiver, the fallen uh, spirit. And uh, we see how they hindered at times answers coming from God down to man, answers to prayer. And just like there is warfare in the natural world, there's warfare in that dimension also. But today, things are a lot different. Uh, under a new covenant, because God no longer dwells in a physical building that's made with human hands. He dwells within people. He dwells within His church. It's made up of Jewish and Gentile believers, male and female, bond and free. We're all one, the Bible says, in Christ. So now your body is the new temple of the Holy Spirit, where the presence of God is. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, what know you not your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. So at the cross, Jesus broke down the barrier between God and man, God the Father. God is in heaven, but he's also in you. Um, as an example of this, Jesus said during his uh, earthly ministry, that uh he wasn't even the one that was doing the works it was the father that was in him Uh, but yet towards the end of the gospels before jesus went to the cross it said a voice spoke out from heaven and said this is my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased some of the people actually heard it and realized it was god speaking other people said it was a voice of an angel that was speaking other people said it was nothing but thunder so it's just like it is today. God's word speaks and some people look at it and and they say, um, you know, that has no relevance to the here and now. That was just for back then. Other people look at it and say, um, okay, this is true. This is, but this is just a spiritual, um, uh, they spiritualize everything. In other words, um, spiritual things and physical things are totally unrelated and everything that. God did for us, we'll receive in the by and by after we leave this world. And then there's a third group of people that says the Bible is God speaking to me today. And uh, I'm in that particular camp, not just because it sounds like a better theory, but because years ago uh, when I became a believing believer, that I actually put these things into practice and saw direct answers, direct results from believing and speaking certain Bible verses over my life and over particular situations. So we're talking about when your faith is tested by fire. Right now, the way things are in the world, I would say that there are more Christians alive on earth going through tests and trials right now than ever before at any other time in history. So if you live here in the United States. Um, I, you, you know people who um, are unemployed or underemployed. They're uh, struggling to make ends meet. But yet the Bible says not to worry about any of these things, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, the clothes that you put on, because God knows already that you have need of all these things. So it's not just the fact that don't worry because God knows your situation. It's don't worry because God not only knows your situation, but he'll make the provision for you. But yet we see time and time again where Jesus basically told whoever had ears to hear that all the blessings of God are reserved for those who believe and doubt not. Mark 11:24 I think puts it the best. Where Jesus taught his disciples two principles. He first, in the twenty-second verse, he told them that they should have faith in God. So, um, I hear some people preaching about having faith in your faith. Um, I understand what that means um, partially, and in, in other ways, um, if your faith is in God, you, you shouldn't have to overly analyze. Um, what's going on with you. I mean you know whether or not you believe or whether you're trusting God or not simply by whether or not you have worry active in your life. You know if if you have trouble going to sleep at night because you're not sure if you're gonna have enough money to pay your bills that are coming up or you're already behind bills and you're worried about what repercussions will happen because of that. Um, you know, your mind is telling you that the you know the, the ball's going to drop any moment that something bad's going to happen, maybe they 're going to come and take your car away. they could be here any day um, there 's a lot of people who have their homes in foreclosure that are fighting that, so you get what i 'm talking about it 's one thing to read these things in the Bible and say yes, amen and believe it when you 're in a church atmosphere or with another group of people but it's totally different when you wake up in the morning and it's just you or you and your uh, immediate family your wife or your kids or whoever whoever it is that you're with and this is where second corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 through 5 is so important because it says we don't war after the flesh the battle no longer new testament battle Let's put it this way. Jesus already won the battle, but in our individual life experiences, we, we fight a warfare. We fight the good fight of faith, and we do it oftentimes by having to cast down imaginations. So the fifth verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number five, <clears throat> it says, Cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So another translation of that says cast down reasonings. Let me look that up quickly here Um, in another translation. Okay, I just read to you the American King James Version, very close to the King James Version. The um, 1965 Bible in Basic English says put an end to reasonings and every high thing which is lifted up against the knowledge of God and causing every thought to come under the authority of Christ. So this is where we're actually fighting these strongholds, the enemies, so to speak of your your faith, the battle takes place in the mind. So that's why it's so important, you know, some people think well, you know, there's a delay to the answer because Angels or demons are fighting in the heavenly world, trying to bring the answer uh, through to me. And that's why there's a delay between the time that you pray and the time that you actually see the answer. But if if that were true, then you would be walking by sight and not by faith. Because the only way you would know if the battle were won or not in the invisible world was by what was happening in the visible world. So for instance, if suddenly um, things turned around in your circumstances, then you could say, okay, well, the the Lord has won the battle. Or if things aren't going your way, you think, well, the battle is still raging. It's not over yet. But see, faith doesn't look at what is seen. Faith only deals with things which are not seen. Because if you can see it, you don't need faith for it anymore. So faith says, I have the victory, before it sees the victory. One of my favorite um, scriptures is in the uh, book of Romans where it talks about Abraham and how he grew strong in faith as he was giving glory to God and that he was fully persuaded that what God had promised he was uh, also able to perform. So, uh, Abraham... That's Romans chapter 4, verse 21, says that he was fully persuaded. So that's a lot different than almost persuaded or partially persuaded. So if you're fully persuaded, you have the victory. And then something in your outward world shows up to, sh- to make a statement. Otherwise, you're not moved by that. You're not upset by that. You don't start worrying by that. It doesn't put um, a damper on your attitude or on your day. You just look back at it and say, well, according to the Bible, God's word says, and then you would speak whatever scripture, whatever promise um, that you were basing your prayers or your belief on. See, when it comes to praying, and let me use my self as an example. I gave this testimony recently. I had a um, growth on my scalp and I couldn't see it myself because of where it was right at the top, almost at the crown of my head, but uh, other people could see it. And they suggest, they said, well, that really doesn't look good. You really need to go and have that examined. And I could feel it felt about like it was about the size of a quarter. And so I prayed according to uh, Mark eleven twenty four. 24. And I use the principle of speaking to the mountain in Mark eleven twenty three. But before I did that, I went to the Lord and I laid out my entire case before him. And I based that on Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. I think it's um, 43, 26, but let me just check to make sure. And this principle changed my entire, the way I approached prayer when I was going under severe times of testing and trial. Um, let's see, forty three twenty six. it says, um, this is God speaking. He says, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that you may be justified. And this was God's invitation to put God in remembrance of everything that he had promised to the nation of Israel. And he says, let us plead together, declare you or set forth your case, some translations say that you may be justified. So the idea of being justified, you know, if you have a just argument or a just case, and you think about how the legal system works, or at least how it should work, it doesn't really work like this. Um, but in heaven it does, that um, a lawyer comes before um, the judge bringing forth, um, I guess we call it case precedence. Let me just give you a quick example. I was in court a few weeks ago, and I was listening to two attorneys arguing. The one argued that the statute of limitations had already passed for their client and that the prosecutor could no longer bring this case back up because they brought the, this particular case um had come before the judge before, but it was brought by a different party. It had to do with um, the title on their home. And there's just a whole issue about clouded titles. And then the um, person brought forth a case precedents, which showed that similar type cases have been dropped um, in certain jurisdictions. But then the other attorney came and spoke up and said, well, that may be true. Um, a case that reflects this almost identically, and they read forth the case number, is set to be heard next month by the Florida State Supreme Court. So it would be unwise, therefore, before that case is heard, to set a precedent using this case. So just to bring that over into the Bible, the Bible says that Jesus is our advocate. In other words, he's like a lawyer, and he always makes intercession for us, for his people, before God. So you sin and you do things wrong all the time um, in life. You're still human and you still miss it. Maybe you don't miss it, and hopefully you don't miss it in huge, big ways, but you miss it in little ways. But Jesus is interceding because the Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He, like a prosecuting attorney, he wants to destroy you. And he needs an open. He can't come in and destroy somebody. Because if he could, he would just destroy the entire human race. We'd all be dead a long time ago. But he, because when people sin, it gives open doors And when people do things in ignorance, sometimes they're not even really sin, sins, but they just do things in ignorance. And he uses that to get a foothold in someone's life. You know, the Bible says in in the New Testament to give no place to the devil. Peter said that. And he was talking to Christians, believers, when he said that. So even though we have an intercessor in Jesus, even though it says in uh, first corinthians 130 that jesus is our wisdom he becomes our wisdom he becomes our righteousness he is our sanctification even though the blood of jesus has separated us from our sins as far as the east is from the west even though we can receive forgiveness of sins when we do sin against god or against somebody else it says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins Cleanses us from all unrighteousness, even though all those things are true, and all those things are real, you can still give place to the devil. Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 10, that the thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So you know, the devil's not God's subcontractor. You know, he is out to destroy you. And even though it's true that you can learn, you learn uh, certain things from experience it 's just the nature of how human beings work you don 't have to learn that the devil is a destroyer by having your life destroyed. You can learn that by number one, the stories that were recorded in the Bible. It says these things which were written were written for us, so that you would learn um how life works what the truth is, who God is, all these things were written, recorded for our learning. So you have a choice. You can either learn from the experiences of those who came before you, or you can learn by your own personal experience. So when it comes to avoiding death and destruction, I don't know about you, but I would rather learn from somebody else's blunder, not make the same mistakes myself. So when it came to that situation where I had that um growth on my head right away I didn't start thinking like a lot of religions have taught people to think. When I say religions, I'm not talking about outside of Christianity. I'm talking about just different sects within Christianity. So some people might say, well, that's God trying to teach you something. He brought that situation into your life. Well I look at it like well, you know, this thing is here to steal, kill, and destroy. This doesn't belong on my body. God didn't design the body to be growing uh, anything. (laughs) No cysts, lumps, bumps, anything like that. Um, Those things aren't from God. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. No one in heaven has cysts growing on them. No one in heaven has cancer. No one in our, in heaven has arthritis or is bent over. No one lives in pain or fear. No one has lack in heaven because God's will is done there. So you can see from Jesus' own life, Jesus said, if you've seen uh, me, you've seen the Father. Wherever Jesus went, he brought life. Um, he took care of the poor. He took care of the sick. Um, he took care of those who were demon possessed. There's never one instance where someone came to Jesus with a request for help that he denied them. The only time he ever got to the point where he didn't actually respond directly the first time was with the woman at the well who wasn't uh, Jewish. She was a uh, Gentile and his mission was to come to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then the Apostles and disciples went out from there into the whole world and brought the gospel, which is good news to everyone. But even though he wasn't sent, she still received a miracle because um, Jesus, she basically said to Jesus when she was talking about her daughter that was oppressed by demons, that even the dogs... Get the scraps of bread that fall from the master's table. And when he heard this, he thought, woman, great is thy faith. In other words, she wouldn't take no for an answer. But you see, this is the point, and this is what I wanted to focus on here, is the fact that she had an argument that was real to her. And her argument was that you're the master, and even though I'm not fit to sit at the table, I'll take even the scraps that fall from the table. So, this really um, showed where her faith was at. She came believing that Jesus would help her. And when Jesus gave her a reason why maybe she should turn around and go away, she wouldn't take no for an answer. Now, when it Comes to praying, Jesus Himself said in Luke 18, 1 that men ought always to pray and not faint. Some translations says that, say that um, it's worded that men ought always to pray and not lose heart, faint or give up. And then He tells a story about an unjust judge. And see, the purpose of this story isn't to compare God to an unjust judge. It's actually showing a contrast, meaning that if this woman um, who came to an unjust judge and refused to give up, if she could get justice just by her willingness to stick with it and not quit, then how much more will God, who is just, answer the prayers of those who come to him? And, but see, the thing is, this whole section of scripture Um, ends with the words um, that God will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth. So God responds, yes, God is a God of love, but God also is a faith God, and he can't separate the two, one from another. The opposite of, of faith is fear, And the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. So you have to have the faith, first of all, in God's Word. But next you have to have faith that God loves you as an individual. You have to have faith that God loves you personally. Because if not, it becomes very easy to allow evil imaginations to come into your mind and to talk you out of all of the things that God promised you in the Word. So... In my own situation, oftentimes I, I will use the principle of Isaiah 43, 26, and I did it just several weeks ago when I, or several months ago, I should say now, when I had that uh, last physical trial in my body. And I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, you know, it's said in your word in um, Exodus fifteen twenty six, I am the Lord that healeth thee. It says that you change not, It says that you forgive all our iniquities and heal all of our diseases. It says that by Jesus' stripes, we are healed. And it also says that what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, you will have them. And I said, Lord, right now, I'm filled with faith, but I want you to know that I'm going to make a commitment right now. I'm putting this in your hands. I'm going to believe when I've finished praying that I've received the answer and I'm not going to second guess it, no matter what happens after this, no matter what things look like, whether they look like they're working or they're not working, I make the commitment right now that I'm not going to turn back. And you know, my mind said, well, what if you were, what if this thing spread and you found yourself on death's door? Would, would, would you turn back then? But you see, I wouldn't allow myself to go there. I just thought to myself, you know what? God loves me. I know if my earthly father could do anything about the situation, he wouldn't hesitate. He wouldn't say, well, let's see how uh, patient he can be under a test or trial. See, um, going back to these evil imaginations, 2 Corinthians chapter, um, oops, Pull this back up here. 2 Corinthians chapter ten. Um, a lot of times, it, it it appears that things are one way when they're really not, because we're we're being hypnotized by the thoughts of our 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 mind. That's why it says, cast these things down. If these thoughts and feelings, we talk about imagination. Sometimes you know people just think you're thinking about images, right? So instead of thinking negatively, think positively. But it goes a lot further than that, because imaginations carry powerful emotions with them. I mean, sometimes these imaginations, they exist on a on a level that you're barely conscious of, unless you actually st- stop and examine about what you're thinking. For example, uh, you could be thinking about a particular situation, and it's in the back of your mind as you're washing the dishes or driving down the road or doing some other basically mindless task, and you suddenly start visualizing things going the wrong way. And it's not so much that the pictures are, are that overpowering; you can think of something else, but they leave this residue of negative emotion behind. You know, almost like a greasy pan. You know how you have to put like extra, extra grease cutting detergent on a dish dish if it has too much grease on it, because that residue just is sitting there and it just gets all over everything. Well, negative emotions can be that way. They just get all over everything. So even though you're reading what the Bible says, it's not really hitting you the way it should. It doesn't really feel like it's the truth. I guess that's the best way to say it. So when the truth goes into your heart and it really starts soaking in, a lot of those negative feelings then they start to lose a grip on you and you start to feel better too. Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So when you realize that God loves you and you're reading these scriptures like it's God talking to you, then it's a lot different than just reading it from a theological base. And saying, well, you know the Bible says that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and yeah, Jesus lives in me, but <clears throat> That's great, but the problem is, how are we going to get $1,000 by next week to pay the bill? You know, Jesus isn't going to jump out. You, you know, when you start thinking that way, then you become your own worst enemy. That, those are evil imaginations, other things that have to be cast down. So you have to create another argument. I mean, I've actually come before the Lord and argued my case. I've actually said, you know, Lord, it says in your word that in John 14, and if you can't remember the verse, or you have to paraphrase it where it's found, that's fine. I mean, you can actually go onto Google and type part of the words in you'll find it. If you don't know where certain verses, is you only know part of it, <clears throat> go online, use Google, look it up. Easy to find. Just type it right in, right into the search bar. And it will bring up the verses that match that or are close to that. In uh, John 14, 23, it says, Jesus said, if a man love me, he'll keep my words. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our stay with him. So King James Version says, make our home with him. So I'll just say, Lord, you know, I know that I'm, I'm looking to you. My faith is in you. You're my God, you're my healer. These are what these scriptures say. And I'm committing right now for the long haul with this. I'm already. ready. I'm girding up the, like the Bible says, gird up the loins of your mind. Be ready, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So I did this every day when I would feel myself slipping and wanting to check to see if there was any results, I said, you know what? I'm not even going to check. I'm not even going to check to see if there's a result because God is faithful. And that's all I need to know. Right? If I can count somebody on this earth faithful through my past life experience, how much more can I count God faithful? I mean, if I was on my... If I was getting ready to leave this earth and I had a few breaths left, would I be worrying that, <clears throat> well, what happens if there's no angels here to take me after I pass on? What's going to happen then? Will I be like wandering around on the earth? What happens if there's something messed up with the system? What happens if, I mean, I wouldn't be thinking about any of those things because I would realize that if I only had a few breaths left in me, that, that was it, You know, that my time had come And I was ready to cross over. And I wouldn't have any fear because you only have fear when you can mess something up, right? I mean, you only get nervous where if your performance is going to affect the outcome of something. And so if you look at prayer that way and faith like that, like you have to perform at a certain level in order to get results, well, then it's nerve wracking because maybe you're not going to perform right. Right? But, but faith isn't a performance. Faith is just trust. And faith is convincing yourself, because it starts in your heart, that what you read is true. That what the Bible says is true. That prayer does work. That does work for you. That God knows you by your first name. That the Lord knows you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, They know you intimately, every detail of your life, and that they love you unconditionally. And that because the creator of all things loves you that much, you don't have anything to worry about. You don't have to check. You don't have to wonder if, you know, because you said something foul or something at work yesterday or or a few minutes ago, if that just canceled out the whole prayer process and now you got to start over again. It doesn't work like that. telling you from the Bible, and I'm also telling you from personal experience, because sooner or later, you got to forget about what somebody else said or taught or did, because this is your life. It's no one else's. This is your life. You have to walk with the Lord for yourself. You have to experience prayer, believing, and receiving for yourself, or else it's just words in a book, right? In other words, if your prayers, your believing, your faith doesn't change the world around you, then all you have is theory. You don't have really reality. Let me put it this way. All you have is religion. See, religion is just theory without power. That's why the Apostle Paul said, <clears> he <throat> says, when I came to you, my preaching and teaching weren't in the enticing words of man's wisdom. But my preaching and teaching was with the power and the demonstration of God and the Holy Spirit. That your faith not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. So where is your faith resting? Is it in the power of God? Then you need to start saying that. You need to start saying it aloud. You need to start speaking scriptures over your particular circumstances. If it's healing, physical healing, you're in need of, you need to start quoting scriptures. Bring these scriptures to the Lord and say, Lord, I am standing on your word. Because it's said in the book of Psalms that you forgive all our iniquities and you heal all of our diseases. You said in the New Testament that Jesus changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. Forever. And he came to destroy the works of the devil. And sickness is a work of the devil. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. And by the way, um, that growth on my head disappeared. It took about 14 days before the person said to me, how is that growth doing on your head? And I said, honestly, I don't know. I haven't been checking and I haven't been looking. And they said, well, do you mind if I check? I said, no, go ahead. And they looked, and as they were checking, I remember thinking to myself, you know, regardless of what they say, I'm ready. I'm going to keep on believing. I'm going to keep on thanking God that I had the answer. I'm going to do what Mark eleven twenty four says. I believe I receive it, and I believe I have it now. Well, after that person looked for about 15 minutes straight, Parting my hair, pushing it to the side, scrunching it up, looking down, look, having me come in the light. They said, "There's nothing, there, it's not there. It's gone. So, thank you, Lord. God is faithful. The Bible says he watches over his word to perform it. Book of Jeremiah. So, um, that's all for now. Whatever test and trial, whatever situation you're in, take these words to heart. Do them speak Bible scriptures, whether you quote them exactly, or you use the King James, New King James version, American King James, whether you use the American Standard, NIV, whatever one you use, the truth is still the truth, but it's not going to have an effect in your life until you begin to confess it with your mouth. Thank God for the results. This is Jim. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon.